All right. So, permit me to uh, to pray before we get started. Father God, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to um, to come and be your mouthpiece tonight, Father. Um, put a special anointing over me, Father, that that I would just be your mouthpiece tonight and that uh, you would anoint me out of the way, Father God. Just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, this, oh, hey, how are you? Um, so this, this message isn't, yeah, I know, right? Um, so this, this message that, that the Lord gave me, I really didn't intend to, to, to speak this one. I actually had something else that I had planned to do. But, you know, God being God, he said, no, I need you to do this. And uh, it actually spurred from, uh, or spawned, spurred, motivated, inspired by, um, how many of you have heard uh, Stephen Craig Dickerson's new song that's been released, Changed, right? Never heard it? Never. You should really check it out. I mean, it's kind of this dorky looking guy, but I mean, he sings really good, right? So anyway, um, I'll, I'm going to be honest with you guys, Okay. I've heard that song a lot. He's 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 sang it here in the church a lot, and don't get me wrong, it's a great song. I I loved it. I will be honest when I say I, I got a little numb to it. Nothing nothing wrong nothing wrong with that. I, I got a little numb to it because I had heard it so many times here in church and and all that kind of stuff, and and it it was a great song still. You know what I mean? Um. But then, all of a sudden, he released it as a professional-sounding track, and it's been released on Spotify, YouTube Music, and then people are putting all their stuff on Facebook, right? They're showing it on their car radios, and I'm like, okay, let me go check it out. It's Steven. I love him. He's my friend. Let me go check this out. So I listened to it again. And although it's the exact same song, it hit me different this time. And it's not because it's not because it's got a professional track behind it. It's not because Stephen learned a new way to sing the song. Although there's some really cool vocal fries in there that you did, and some really cool stuff in there, right? Um, even though that stuff's in there, it hit me different because I knew the Stephen that was before that song, and I know the Stephen that's now, and so that song hit me different. And I could not stop listening to it. I have a 45-minute drive to and from work. To give you an example, like today, I just had that one song on repeat. I listened to Stephen's voice for 45 minutes on the way home. Okay? But he, yeah, I don't have to live with him. You're right. Um, but it just it, so it hit me different. And the whole time, God just kept kept throwing this at me all all this ever since they they asked me to to speak for for first wednesday this song just kept coming up kept coming up and and it just kept hitting me harder and harder and i could not get the lyrics out of my head and there was two lyrics mainly that that were that god kept me focusing on one is when he was talking about the fact that um turns water into wine and then he also says take me to the jordan and make me free and then he also goes on to say how um, uh, he says, I want more of you and less of me. Y'all know those lyrics? We've probably all heard it. If you haven't, go listen or sit in my car. You'll hear it for 45 minutes. Um, and it got me really thinking because these are moments of change in our life. It's a, it's a catalyst. There's things that happen in our life that changes us. Okay? So I want to talk about that for a second. I'm going to talk about... And, and I know that these don't exactly correlate some of the things I'm going to talk about, but I think they're close enough to where you're going to get the picture. All right? So there are different stages of our life. Would you all agree with that? We're all in different stages. I'm not talking about in our spiritual life. I'm just talking about in our physical, mental maturity. Right? Um, I teach at a school, K3 through 8th grade. I am telling you there is a huge difference between a 3-year-old and a 13-year-old, not much. But there's there's a difference, right? Um, there's, there's not much difference in a 3-year-old to 45-year-old sometimes. But but my point is, is there's a there's a big difference, okay? Um, 
if this stage of life or all these different stages of life, you you change into something else. Sometimes it can be just a, a, a slow change. Sometimes it's a quick change. You know, um, for those who have, who have taught young children before, right, you know that in that first stage of life, in this infant, toddler, young child stage or whatever, they are in complete dependence upon someone else. You know what I mean? They, they really can't do a whole lot by themselves. I mean, they can maybe cook some a little bit of stuff, you know, on their own. Make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Or, but even at infant stage, they can't even do that. But this young child stage, they are dependent upon someone else, and they always think about themselves first. They have no concept of sharing with others at this age. Okay? So I want to talk about this. Um, let's look at our, my very first scripture. We're just going to talk about change. So this is 2 Corinthians 5.17. All right? So this is one that you've probably all heard before. Hopefully I gave them the right scripture. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Um, this is one that a lot of people um, lean on. This is the one that we use when we talk about a salvation experience. You know, that you are a new creation. Um, but there's a there's a change that happens, right? It says here that a new creation and that old things have passed away, okay? So children, as I said before, they have no consequence, excuse me, they have no concept of future consequences. There's not. Uh, I've had to, just recently, at our school, we've had so many teachers out because of illness, whether it's they want to call it COVID or they just don't feel good. I don't know. You know, I mean, everything, everybody's scared all the time now. You know, you, you, you get a, you get a hangnail and all of a sudden you got to quarantine for five days. Okay. So, so because of that, we are having a staff shortage at our school. So everybody's being asked to kind of pick up the play, paces and, you know, and, and go wherever you need it. Now, keep in mind, I'm the IT guy at the school. I'm, the only male teacher there besides the coach, which we all how coaches are teachers, right? Um, that was a joke. Um, right? It didn't work. Okay, so anyway, um, I'm, the, I'm the IT guy there, and I also teach technology classes to middle school, which basically equates to the fact I bring them into the computer lab, and we sit down on a computer, and I teach them how to use Microsoft Word and Excel and PowerPoint. Okay, I see them once a week. So me being called a teacher is a very much of a stretch, okay? Well, our third grade teacher couldn't make it. They couldn't find a sub, and they said, Mr. Stanley, could you teach third grade today? I absolutely will, because you know what? When somebody says something to me and they've asked me to do something, I will almost always say, almost always. Pastor Gray, almost always. I will almost always say yes, especially if it's going to benefit my employer, right? Or my pastor. Yeah, or my, yes, my paycheck. Exactly. Um, Mr. Cobb, if you're listening, I hope you hear that. Um, that's my principal, by the way. Um, anyway, it's <laughs> funny. Um, so third grade. Third grade is probably about, what, seven, eight years old? Somewhere in there? It's not bad? Okay. Um, 30 of them in one room. Yeah. Especially when you're not prepared for it. That stage of my life is over. Okay. My youngest is 15. Okay. So ha having 30 of those um, blessed little angels in a classroom together, tiny humans, yes, that, um, you know, we're, we're reading a story about baseball, and the very first question out of one of them's mouth is, Mr. Stanland, you didn't ask me if I knew anything about baseball, and I know everything about baseball. I said, well, fantastic, little Johnny. Why don't you tell me everything you know about That was a mistake. Do not ask a child to tell you everything they know about a subject, because we'll be there for days, Okay. But my point is, is they have no concept of future consequences, right? He had no idea the fact that we had to get through the lesson. 
He had no idea about the fact that I'm going to have to stop him in mid-sentence and say, okay, I, I know this is exciting to you guys, but we really have to get focused back on the story. We have 13 more pages of the story to read, okay? They have no concept. They only think about the now. Children only think about the now. And, I mean, it's, it can be dangerous, right? Because it's only about what they, what they think about what they want now. So, in other words, they see a cookie, and if you leave them there with it long enough, that cookie's going to go away. If you tell them, for instance, if that cookie is still there when I come back in an hour, I will give you 20 bucks. Now, here's what happens. They will look at that cookie, and you leave, and for the first five minutes, they're thinking, mm, yeah, 20 bucks. And then after five minutes, they go, mm, cookie. And they forget all about the 20 bucks. It's all about what they want now. They're satisfying what they want now. So to me, this sort of equates our pre-Christ life. We are very much infants, okay? Um, pull up uh, Matthew 4.18 for me. So this is Jesus um, when he meets Peter, okay? It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Okay, stop right there. <coughs> Excuse me. So these guys were fishermen. They lived in the world. I'm sure they stank. Probably smelled like fish, okay? Um, they were doing their own life. And unfortunately, they had to think about the now. All they had to do was think about how can I get my next load of fish in so that I can sell it, so that I can make money, so that I can feed my family. Okay? They were always thinking about the here and now. But then something changed with them. Right? There was a draw. Because our spirit man, which we're given upon birth, right? Or conception... We, we're given a spirit man. They want to be with God. They want a relationship with the Creator. And there is a God-sized hole in every single one of us. And what happens is they go through life and they try to fill this God-sized hole with other things. Lust, money, addiction, drugs, alcohol, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, pornography, they're trying to fill it because they're trying to get that thing that they're missing. So Peter and Andrew, his brother, they knew something was missing because they had seen Peter, or excuse me, they had seen Jesus on the bank preaching. And so go on to uh, verse 19 for me. It says, then he, he's capitalized, so that's talking about who? Jesus. He says, then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So, a moment of change just happened in Peter's life. He accepted, that he made the decision to follow Christ at that moment. So, he has now stepped out of this infant, toddler, young child stage. Okay? He is, he's made a little bit of a graduation. He's changed. So, what did he change into? Well, he changed into a little bit of older child, a preteen, a teenager. I know we have teenagers in the room. I promise I'm not picking on you guys. Okay? Do it? Okay. Do I have permission from the youth pastor to pick on them? No? Okay. Just as long as I accept the consequences, right? Okay. All right. So, um, older child, preteen, teenager. Okay? So, at this stage, they are much more independent. Okay? Um, uh, again, I just told you that I teach middle school technology. Um, I can definitely see that they're more independent. I don't have to hold their hand through every single assignment that we have. I can just tell them. I can post my stuff in Google Classroom. All the teenagers, y'all know what that is. I can post my, my, my materials online. The students can read what they need to do, and they can take care of it themselves. Every now and then I'll get a, you know, an email from a student or a message from a student saying I don't understand this. Usually it's the straight A student, the F student never texts me or emails me. So they're much more independent. They're now able to empathize with others, right? You know, they'll comfort each other when they have a problem. They can tell when someone else is sad or they're having a bad time. Um, 
they developed this concept of short-term consequences now. They realized that their uh, studying affects tests, test grades. They realized that making doing poorly on a test affects their overall grades, which then affects their GPA, which then affects being able to possibly get into the college that they want. So they, they're thinking more in the future now. But they're still not quite there yet. You know what I'm saying? Because as a teenager, they're still making some bad decisions, okay? Um, we, we've seen it. I mean, they don't... It, I was a teenager, too. I did not make great decisions. I remember... Oh, Mikey's listening to this. Okay, well, it's fine. Okay, I remember as a teenager, my first car, which was a 19-something Pontiac Grand Prix. It was an older car. Um, it was... And I decided one night with my friends in the car that I would go out and do donuts in the Bill's Dollar Store parking lot on wet roads. Right? That was probably not the best decision. I could have easily gotten myself killed. As an adult, I'm going, why? That was my only car. Like, my dad was not going to give me another car if something happened to this one, right? Um, it was a clunker of a car. It, it drove down the road like this had no shocks in the back, okay? And it was one of those long, old cars that had the big hood on the front. So you couldn't even see over the hood, okay? So I'm doing donuts in the parking lot. This parking lot is not big and open. It has light poles throughout it. So I'm doing donuts on this wet thing. And, of course, I've only been driving for probably six months, maybe a year tops, doing donuts. And there's a pole coming straight at the car. The pole's coming at the car. Not me. I mean, I'm a good driver. The pole's coming at me. Yeah, I know, right? It's just out of nowhere. And it took me probably a good two to three seconds before I realized, turn the wheel. Okay? Because I'm just kind of freaking out at this moment. I turned the wheel really quickly and skid. And we did not hit the pole. Excuse me. The pole did not hit us. Thank you. I'm alive to tell the story. Nothing bad happened to the car. Everything went fantastic. It was a poor decision. How I knew that even it was even more of a poor decision is because whenever I took my friend home, it was my friend and his sister that was in the car with me. Of course, I'm taking two other lives with me, right? I mean, if we died, three of us would have been gone. Um, <clears throat> got home, and as we're getting out of the car, his sister tells me, I peed in your car. When I dropped her off, that's when she told me. So it had time to really sink into the seats. Okay? Um, the car had no air conditioning. I know. Poor decisions. Poor, poor decisions. But I'm alive. I'm alive. So I kind of liken this to that saved life. Okay? This is where we come in. We've moved up. We're no longer that pre-Christ existence. We're saved. We now have a measure of impartation of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Okay? Upon salvation, you receive a measure of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is now dwelling inside of you because this is what's going to cause a sanctification process. This is what's going to cause the, the uh, uh, fruits of the Spirit to begin to develop. Or it should. Okay? So let's look at Peter again. I'm going to go back to, let's go to Matthew 4, uh, verse 23. It says, And Jesus went all about Galilee. Now, now, keep in mind, this is Peter having just met Jesus. He just said, yes, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be a fisher of men. And Jesus said, okay, let's go. And it says, and Jesus went all about Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Verse 24, then his fame went throughout all of Syria, and they were brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. And those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Verse 24, 25, great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis. You like that, Lisa? Decapolis, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Peter saw everything Jesus was doing. 
He saw everything Jesus was doing. Jesus was teaching him. He says, watch what I do. Follow me, and I want you to mimic the things that I do. I'm going around. I'm healing people. I'm setting people free, right? This is what we're supposed to be doing. So in this stage of our life, in this saved saved part of our life, um, we are supposed to have a relationship with Jesus. This is where we work on our own discipleship, okay? We are supposed to be displaying fruits of the Spirit. We should be a reflection of Christ. When people see us, they should be able to look at us and go, that guy's a Christian. I like there's uh, something a, a, a pastor said one time, and I don't even remember who it was or when this was. It just always stuck with me for a long time, a long time now. That they said that if being a Christian was a crime, would there be enough evidence to prosecute you? That hit me hard whenever I first heard that because I was like, I don't know. Because, I mean, yeah, there was things I did in secret, right? Like I prayed. I would go into my prayer closet and I would pray. Or I would read my Bible on my own time, you know. But that's not really evidence. It's It was evidence to me that I was saved. But it certainly wasn't evidence to anybody else that I was saved. I wasn't doing anything else with my salvation. Other than sitting in it and being stagnant. See, people should see him in us. The saved person that's not doing anything else, they're also constantly working from that spirit man. Remember, we just said that you got a little bit of a part of the Holy Spirit. Well, unless you're developing that Holy Spirit and getting into the next stage that we're going to talk about here in a minute, you're constantly working out of yourself, aren't you? And you're going to get exhausted really, really quickly because we read in the Word all the time that it tells us that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's the one that emboldens us. He lifts us up. He gives us the power to do things. So that means if we don't have the Holy Spirit within us working through us and doing all of these things, we're doing them on our own. Well, let me tell you, Michael gets really tired. Okay, I get up at 5.30 in the morning. I go to bed at 9 o'clock because I'm really old. Um... I don't really, you know, do a whole lot of, like, really fun stuff on the weekends and all that. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm on the go all the time, and I'm just tired. If I were to try to do God's work out of myself, I would have given up a long time ago. I just can't. Even getting up here and doing this, you guys don't know the type of day that I've had. You just don't know. You don't want to know. I promise you. I had to teach fifth grade today. Okay, it's not as bad as third grade, but still, I had to teach fifth grade today. I had to take some kids to recess. We decided to have ice cream on the playground. Got them all sugared up. It's been a day. Tonight, our school was having an open house celebration. I couldn't be there tonight. I had to have all of my stuff prepared in advance so that I could be here tonight. So I'm working all the way up to the time that I can slip out that door. But if I did that from myself, I would get up here and just fail. Even now, that's the reason why whenever I pray, at the beginning of every of every message, I always pray for God to anoint me out of the way. I don't want this stuff to come from Michael. It has to come from the Holy Spirit. It has to come from God. Otherwise, it's not even going to touch anybody. Because Michael speaking is boring. Y'all don't want to get up here and hear me talk. Okay? Because it's all going to be about Star Trek and computers and stuff. Y'all don't want to hear me talk at all. Maybe a couple of you, okay? Or maybe some superhero stuff, right? Um, that, thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. 45 minutes. We got this, all right? So you're constantly working from the spirit, man. The sad part is, this is where most Christians stop. They don't go any further They're content in their own salvation. They're just, you know, you know what? I can go to church on Sundays. That's not a problem. I give God my Sundays. You know, maybe they even read their Bibles. (laughs) You know what I mean? maybe, Maybe they do. Maybe, maybe they even talk to someone about Jesus every now and then. 
when someone asks them. But the reality is that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be constantly changing, right? And how we do that is by putting us out there all the time, stepping out and taking one more step forward. One more step forward. One more step forward. I'm going to pick on Stephen again because this is what I'm talking about, right? Is I can remember when I first started coming to CCAM and we were over in the other building. Stephen was a talented musician and singer. Absolutely. He always was. I mean, that's what God's called him to do. So that gift is inside him, right? But to watch him step out, told you I was going to embarrass you, to watch him step out and do what God's called him to do. So now, not only is he releasing music on, you know, an international platform, a worldwide platform, but he's stepping out. I have watched him get up and preach things. I have watched him get out and prophesy over people. That was something I didn't see a few years ago. That's something I didn't see in myself a few years ago. But it's a change. Right? Not even last year. So he's he's being emboldened and he's taking a step forward. So this comes from that next stage. So now we're going to talk about young adults. So young adults are now have complete independence. Or they're supposed to anyway. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm going to leave that part alone. Um, so they have complete independence. They now completely understand consequences and the need for long-term planning. You see young people begin to work on retirement, right? You see young people begin to think about the future a little bit more. You know, they begin to think maybe they, they probably got kids by now. And so now they're thinking about their legacy. They're thinking about their kids' kids. You know, what are they leaving behind? Um, and it's it's interesting raising children, isn't it? For any of you that have kids, that's a huge stage, an upstage in your life. So I kind of liken this to having, this is your spirit-filled life. This comes after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So let's go to Matthew 16. This is going to be verse starting in verse 13. It says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? The Son of Man? Go back. Go back. Did I miss? I missed that. That bothers me. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Thank you. I told you it's been a long day. Go ahead. Verse 14. So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Go ahead. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, or son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Verse 18, and also, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So it was in this moment Peter realized he saw Jesus differently. See, he saw him as a teacher before. If you ever go back and read the stuff about Peter, it's really, really cool because he starts out by calling him teacher all the time. He calls him teacher all the time. And as he begins to talk to him, and as he begins to, to, to hang around with Jesus, that term begins to change. It becomes more and more intimate over time. It becomes teacher, and then it becomes Messiah, the one who's going to save them. And then all of a sudden, it becomes, you are the son of the living God. He realized in that moment that Jesus wasn't just some man from Galilee. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. That he was true, truly the deity, the son of God. The son of the living God. Something changed inside Peter. And it was after this moment, things really begin to kind of change for Peter. See, now in this stage of your life, we begin to walk in the full gifts of the Spirit. For those of you who were in um, uh, Disciple Walk last week, uh, Miss Angel was uh, speaking in there. And she said something that I, I knew what she meant and I knew what she was saying for sure, but I so badly wanted to go, 
but it's a little bit more. But I didn't want, I didn't want to inter, I didn't want to interfere what she was doing. She wasn't wrong by any shape of the imagination, but I just wanted to clarify it and I just didn't do it. But she was talking about how before she got filled with the Holy Spirit, and by the way, when I'm talking filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about evidence of speaking in tongues. Okay? It's in there. We've talked about it plenty in this church. I'm looking around here. I don't see any visitors, so I think we're okay. Um, Angel talked about how before her baptism of the Holy Spirit, her life was like this, constantly up and down, up and down, highs and lows. And she was having these moments of highs and lows. And I could, I can relate to that. I remember in my, you know, pre-baptism of the Holy Spirit that that's how it was for me. Constant up and down, highs, an emotional roller coaster. And she said then when she got, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, she said it wasn't like that anymore. Things changed. It wasn't that her life changed. And it wasn't that she changed so much as it was now she had the Holy Spirit inside of her that was making this roller coaster like this. See, her joy didn't come from things around her. It wasn't coming from those highs or those lows. Her joy comes from inside, and she knows that God had a plan for her life. If you can imagine for a minute, have you ever been inside of a really, really nice luxury car on a really rough road? No, Stephen? Always one of the big trucks, right? So if you're ever inside of a luxury... I'm going to explain it to you, Stephen. You ready? Okay. So if you're inside of a really, really nice luxury car that has really good shocks and springs on it, when you go down a Louisiana road, okay, which is... That's not saying much. It's not really a road as so much as it's just a bunch of holes, right? So when you go over it, you don't feel those bumps in a luxury car. What's that? Give it a year. You don't, you don't feel those bumps, right? It's just, it's smooth riding. The bumps are still there. They've not gone away. You just don't feel them anymore. Because when you have that indwelling of the Holy Spirit and you begin to walk in those full gifts of the Spirit, things like that don't affect you anymore. Because you know that it's the enemy just coming into attack for whatever reason, and you know how to deal with it. You're like, oh, not today. Uh-uh, we ain't doing this stuff. Right? And so we begin to walk in those full gifts of the Spirit. Okay? You begin to walk and you begin to, to, to step out. Now, the sad part is, some people want to stop here too. And I'll be honest, that's where I stopped for a long time. It wasn't until I came to this church and my pastors pushed me to change. Because I had got to the point where there was fear creeping in. It was fear of failure for one. I'm, I'm one of those guys to where, like if somebody else makes a mistake, I'm the first to forgive you, right? Like, oh, it's no big deal. We'll, we'll get over this. If I make a mistake, mm -mm, it's all over. And I still have those tendencies today. Just earlier this week, I was having a, a situation, and I was just beating myself up over something that I did that was avoidable, right? Um, so there's a fear of failure. You're like, well, I just don't want to fail God. You know, I don't want to get up here, and I don't want to speak in front of people and then just sound like an idiot. I don't want to accidentally say the wrong word, Right? Right? All the time. There's a fear there. There's a fear of failure. There's, um, uh, there are, there's a fear of change. Because sometimes you don't want things to change. Sometimes you're happy with where you're at. And you're like, you know what? I'm good right here. This carpet is really soft under my feet. It's good and squishy. And look, I can still do a lot from here. I've got the microphone, right? But then there's something different when you step out here. Ooh, it just feels different. It's harder. I still got the microphone, right? And now I get closer to people, and now people start going, okay, what's he doing? Is he going to, I'm looking at Lisa. Lisa's like giving me this, you know, don't mispronounce a name. People are getting concerned. Is he going to like come to me and say something? And there's a fear that you have to overcome. There's a, there's, a, there's a change. You can't let that type of stuff stop you. You have to be willing to change. And you know what? This is when you begin to walk in your full calling. 
God will give you a revelation of what it is that He wants you to do. Now, He can give that to you upon salvation. I'm not saying that God... We serve an awesome God. He can do anything, anytime that He wants. But it's usually in this time frame (coughs) that we begin to walk in that full calling. That God gives us that revelation of what it is that He wants us to do. Because I have told this to, to, to many, many people before that whatever you have victory over you have authority over it. So by this point in time in your life, you've probably had victory over a number of things. Maybe you've had victory over that addiction that we talked about. Maybe you've had a uh, victory over fear. Maybe you've had victory over apathy and laziness. These are things that you now have authority over. So now you have a responsibility and an obligation to share it with everybody else. So now you're out there in the world and you're like, oh, There's somebody that's struggling with that fear. Fear of failure. Someone who's struggling with that that fear of change. Maybe someone's struggling with that little bit of a laziness. Maybe they're struggling with addiction of some kind. You have an obligation and a responsibility to help. You have authority over it. Why should they sit there in their own uh, uh, addictions, whatever they're going through, when you have the power to help them through it? Because someone probably helped you through it. You didn't do it on your own. Somebody came to you and said, hey, you're dealing with something. I can tell that you're dealing with this problem. Let me help you with it. Let's pray this thing through. Let's just get together and talk. Hey, man, you want to go out to dinner? You want to go out to eat? You want to go hang out? Whatever it is, right? Whatever that led you to that moment, you now have a responsibility. I'm going to talk superhero here for a second, right? What's the one thing uh, in Spider-Man's origin story that they told him, his, his Uncle Ben told him, He says, with great, what is it? With great power comes great responsibility. It's too late, I already said it. Um, With great power comes great responsibility. You now have that victory. You have the authority. You have to do something. You can't just sit back and then just let the world just continue to go around you. Okay, I'm going to leave that one alone. This is also where the sanctification process really begins to take hold. Okay? Because now that spirit man and that Holy Spirit start to become entwined. And your spirit begins telling you, "Mm, you might need to get rid of some of this stuff. This is separating you from God. It's not a, it's not a conviction. We're not going to call it a conviction or condemnation. The Holy Spirit doesn't condemn people. Okay? We condemn ourselves. But what I'm talking about is there's that thing in there where your Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is intertwined so much with your spirit that your spirit begins to say, this thing is separating me from God. You know what? It could be something like TikTok. It could be something like something you're not supposed to be watching on TV. Or it could just be something as simple as, I need to stop drinking coffee? How does coffee making a difference? I know, right? Let me let me give you an example. It, I know, and I just ruined it. I just ruined it. So look, let me give you an example. I got really convicted because I wasn't reading my Bible in the mornings. I was. I, don't get me wrong. I'm reading my Bible, folks. Okay, I'm I'm the, I'm the good little Christian. No, I'm joking. I'm I'm not a good Christian. Okay, so anyway, uh, I read my Bible, but I felt like I needed to be reading it in the mornings. And so I was like, well, God, I, I just don't have time. I, I, I got to get up and get ready for work and, and all this, you know, the stuff that you got to do in the mornings and stuff. Lo and behold, God starts waking me up long before my alarm clock goes off. He's like, oh, you want more time to read your word? Here you go. Here's an extra hour that you didn't even see. Well, God, this means I got to go to bed earlier now. Oh, well, looks like you won't be watching that show anymore. Okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you for supplying the need, right? So my point is, is it can be anything, but there's something that, that that's when those processes begin to happen, that sanctification process where God begins to reveal to us those things that are beginning to separate us from him. And lastly, that was all young adult. Woo. Lastly, we reach full adulthood, if that's what you want to call it. Okay. Uh, oh, man, Tom Grant's not here. I'm going to pick on, on Pastor Greg. Okay, good. 
Pastor Greg is a full-fledged adult. Most days. But we know there's a little child living in there, right? Okay? So, <laughs> so my, my point is, though, we... we we, these, these little similarities can fall apart at any given moment, okay? But my point is, at full adulthood, you're no longer raising your children. They pretty much are done. Um, that's a joke, right? Um, pretty much you're going to be raising older children. You're possibly even raising grandchildren at this point. Yay, grandchildren. Um, you, got, you got grandchildren. I don't want any grandchildren. Where's Mikey? No, not yet. You're also full-fledged into your careers. Mikey is gone, man. I don't know. He, he probably knew it was coming. Um, you did. Uh, you're full-fledged in your careers now. Usually this job hopping thing is done, you know. Um, I, I know that early, early in my young adult life, I was jumping from job to job, getting the experience that I need to be able to, to do what I'm doing and and so we're pretty much, you know, in in our careers. Again, we probably have some grandchildren. We're beginning to think about our twilight years. Okay? We're beginning to think about end of life. We begin to think about maybe a will, where it is that we're, 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 we're going to do with our estate, if you got one. Um, I got a Toyota Corolla. That's what Mikey gets. End of life planning, our legacy, right? Um, what we leave behind, those things start to become more and more important to us. So I didn't really have another term for this. I kept asking God to give me another term for what this stage of our, our spirit life would be called. And he just kept telling me evangelistic life. So you know what? That's what I'm going to call it. If you got something better, insert yours here. Okay, so let's go to Acts chapter 2 for a second. This is going to be in verse 30 and verse 37. Now, Jesus, Jesus had um, died and rose again by this point. And Peter had just said, um, you know, this whole thing about, um, you know, I, 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 we're, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to handle this type of stuff? Um, where are we supposed to go? Um, and so this happened. And this is after they had begun to preach. And Peter says, um, and then when they heard this, it's talking about the disciples, it says, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38. Then Peter said to them, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because he now has authority, right? He's had victory, so now he has authority. Going to verse 39, it says, For the promise is to you and to your children and to, who, to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So now your life becomes fully devoted to more evangelists Evangel oh my goodness. Thank you. Evangelical endeavors, right? So you're thinking more at this point in your life about just doing more, doing more, doing more. You are in continual communication with God. And I'm not talking about like, you know, all the time. I'm not talking about that, okay? I know I'm not even talking about people that are just in constant prayer. You're not some, you know, monk going around all the time in constant prayer. I'm talking about you're in constant communication with God because your spirits are now in tune. Remember that intertwining that we were talking about in the previous stage? That intertwining has pretty much done what it's supposed to be doing. And so now you're hearing from God a lot more easily. It's no longer this text message communication where you receive a message, you send a message, you receive a message. You re it's a one-on-one, -on -one, you're on the phone you ever notice the older people do this? Younger people do this. Okay, sorry. Um, squirrel. So you're in this constant communication stage with God now. So he's speaking to you all the time. And he's giving you little things all day long. Hey, go talk to that person. Or some of the weirdest things, I need you to stop and get gas at this gas station. I don't get gas at that gas station. Well, maybe there's a divine moment that needs to happen at that gas station. It's a constant communication. 
I think I've given you all this example before. I, I can't remember or not. But there was... <clears throat> I wasn't always this thin guy you all see in front of you now. At my heaviest, I was about 350 pounds. Now, I say that because there was one day I was getting into my car at work, and I was getting my keys out, and it was cold, and I was fumbling, and I... 350 pounds, y'all, that's a big deal. Okay? I, I'm like, I'm not even joking. Three, that's, that's a long way. I'm six foot four, 350 pounds. Can't, no, that ain't, like, force doesn't, oh man, golly, gotta bend down and pick them up. I had to bend down and pick up my keys. Took me a few more minutes to get into my car. Coming down Pine Street, you know that really, really sharp curve on Pine Street? There was a car coming in the opposite lane. Five seconds difference would have been a head-on collision. That was God. Right? Just those little things like that. I'm going to put this back in my pocket and I'll drop them on the floor again because I don't want to bend down and pick them up. So... <laughs> So in this stage of our life, we're looking for ways, we're looking for opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? We're constantly looking for opportunities. God, what can I do? I get in my car every morning now and I pray on the way to work this 45 minutes when I'm not listening to Stephen. And I'm saying, God, give me opportunities to be able to, to, to say something about you today. Give me something, just anything. I don't care what it is. Just use me in some way, some little way. We should also be looking for um, ways to replace ourselves. That is one of the things that I love about our pastors is that they're pushing us, constantly pushing us. And I love that. You know, I go back and I think about Dr. Rob Carmen. He was constantly looking for someone to be able to come up behind him. And that's why he, Paul, Pastor Paul, attached himself to Dr. Rob. And now what's Pastor Paul doing? Going to do things in Africa. You know, I look at, at Dr. Egan Falk doing the same thing, right? Looking for ways to replace themselves. Looking, looking back at the, at the next generation coming up and saying, okay, who can we find to replace? Because we know that we're not going to be here forever. So we should constantly be changing. Now, don't think by any stretch of the imagination that I have said that whenever you reach this stage, you have arrived. You will never arrive. The only time that you arrive is when you are dead. <laughs> it's just that simple, folks. You can honestly get there and stand in front of God and go, Hey, I arrived. I'm here. But it's true. Thank you. We should ch constantly be changing, never staying where we are. Imagine for a moment that if you stayed in any one of those other life changes. Imagine for a moment if you decided to stay that little toddler for the rest of your life, dependent upon somebody else. Imagine if you stayed in that second stage of just being satisfied with where you're at. And saying, you know what, I'm saved. I'm going to go see Jesus one day, and that's great. But that's not where we're supposed to stop. Some are called um, in that spirit-filled life, but because of that fear of failure, laziness, change, they stop right there. And even in that evangelistic part of your life, a few reach that, and they think they have arrived. And they never even look back at the ones that's coming up behind them. So that means when they're thing is done that they had got anointed and called to do and it stops there's nobody there to replace them because they didn't look back to see who they could pull up behind them so we are all in some stage of our life it doesn't matter if you are in the pre-christ stage of your life there is a need for a change isn't there if you are in the saved state of your life and you're just content with sitting back here and listen to the preacher preach on Sundays. And there's absolutely no evidence of your salvation. It's time for a change. 
Even if you're in that spirit-filled stage of your life and you're really scared to get off the carpet because it's comfortable right here. Right? There's a change that needs to happen. You need to take that next step forward. Folks, this has been a big deal for me. Over the last couple of years, maybe, I guess, um, I have really begun to kind of step out and do a little bit more. It's been terrifying. Okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. It's been terrifying. Um, Pastor Sandra Sanford and Shannon Brooks, go with them sometime. Okay? I mean... Any of y'all have ever been ministering with Pastor Sandra? Like, I'm not even exaggerating. Matthew, come here for a second. I'm not even exaggerating when you can be back here, right? So everything's happening all up here, and we're all sitting here praying, and she's just doing this, and she's praying, and, and whatever, and she looks over here at you, and she goes, like, I'm not even joking. That's exactly what she does. She's like, why are you still standing here? Get out there. I remember doing that at Teen Challenge, the Men's Induction Center in Shreveport. Um, that was an experience. We get up there, and, and, and Pastor Sandra pushes me, and she says, what are you doing up here? Go pray for somebody. Okay. I go out there. Of course, I'm looking for the most, you know, docile-looking person I can find, you know, that has nobody. Lo and behold, this man was not docile, Okay. He was in the back for a reason, okay? He was in the back because he knew what was up front. You see what I'm trying to say? He didn't want to be in the splash zone. So me thinking that was the safe place, that's where I go. Boy, was I mistaken. Y'all read the story about the uh, demon-possessed man in the, uh, uh, in the cemetery? Yep, that's what happened to me. Um... But that's what I'm talking about. Like it's 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 taking those those steps forward and saying, you know what? I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I don't want to be stuck where I'm at. I want to do more. I don't want to just be content in my salvation because that's not what Jesus meant for us to do. That's not why he died on the cross. He didn't just die so that we could be saved because we have a responsibility to then help others. So, just saying tonight, if that's you, if you feel like that you have a need for a change in your life, I'm going to give you a minute to think about it, and then we're going to have an opportunity to respond. Um, Fisher, can you go ahead and play, a, play my song?